Hey there, you're watching a little bit of a behind the scenes type thing here. We're in our studio right now. Above me, at least on my screen, that's Jeremy. We get these questions that come in and we don't always get them on the show. So uh, there's stuff we discussed behind the scenes we thought you might have some interest in. Interest in. And there's this one question that came in, um, Jeremy, that if you want to read it off, I can explain and share my insights. Maybe you got some too. Sure, yeah. So this is from uh, Rian Showman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. He says, hey, Mike, I'm pretty sure you get this a lot, but the question is, how do you know that there is a market for your product and which business to go into? That's a great question. And, and you you might be surprised. I don't get that that often. And I think, Jay Ween, is that we're often um, distracted by our own bias. Listen, dude, you started your own business, Jeremy. Yeah. You know, and you and I both thought it was a great idea. You made a dry rub. Um, and it is a great idea, but really what determines its success is are people willing to spend money on it? And in that regard, it wasn't received that way. Great product. You and I both knew it was fantastic, but it didn't it didn't take off. And the question, you know, the question is why? And how do you know if something's gonna take off or not? I think that was my fault. I think my goal was zero marketing budget, which I shouldn't have done. I should have just hit some ads, hit it hard, and then I think it would have I think it would have taken off. But the reason I knew that there was a market for it was because um, I started going to forums that I thought people would you know, kind of respond to it on. And you got to be careful because you can't spam. But if you start talking to people and asking questions and you kind of see, okay, well, what direction can I take this in? Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think that maybe that's a good starting strategy for people when they're trying to figure out if there's a market yeah, for ask their the product. Community. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I'll tell you probably the greatest way to ask community is I, I call it opening wallets or the beta test. And what you do is, so your concept was this dry rub. And the idea was really focusing on hunters, which I think is a great niche, right? Because there's dry rubs for for smokers, uh, as in the the grill. There's dry rubs for maybe high end uh, chefs, you know, um, that are that are in a restaurant. But we didn't know of many for the hunter community. The the, the guy or gal who's out in the woods just got their venison and now they're cooking venison over the fire, you know. The thing though, is to get them to open their wallets. And how you do it is you reach out to that forum, that established community and say, listen, I am making this product and you give the vision and you document the vision as opposed to making the actual product and say, it's gonna be a dry rub for these scenarios. Uh, here's the different smoked flavors or whatever I'm gonna be creating. Would this be of interest to you? And if it is, are you willing to be a beta consumer? Meaning I'll sell it to you at cost. Also, you have to put parameters around it. I'm going to limit its availability. So I plan to sell these packs for say $10 a pack or whatever. But for now, I'm going to sell for $4, my cost, but I'm only going to make it available to the first 50 hunters that are interested. The response is going to be as follows. No one's interested, which means you didn't waste any time developing it. It just didn't catch on. Some are interested uh, or there's over interest, meaning a lot of people are like, I want this and you've capped out at 50. We got to be disciplined on that cap. But if you have interest that goes beyond your beta test of say 50, that's proving their serious interest. Additionally, the only way people can get in the beta is by putting money down. People speak the truth through their wallets, not their words. So if they're saying, yeah, yeah I want it and they don't pay, don't listen. Then here's the beauty. You could have developed that dry rub and said to the, um, those 50 beta users, how do you like it? And they say, you know, it's a little bit too smoky or whatever. And you get the general feedback and you start tweaking the product to cater to them. So you build raving fans out of them because you tell them you're getting a discounted price uh, 
and you acknowledge there's going to be bumps and bruises. It's not going to be a perfect product. I am in the process of creating it while keep modifying it to make sure it meets your needs. Then they ultimately get the exact product they want. Now you can go to market with it and say, we have the perfect rub for hunters because you got 50 people that have gone through it, but now you got 50 testimonials. So their first release of this product is back with people with testimonials who already paid for it and you release at $10. I think that's the way you test products, particularly in this environment, as opposed to developing and rolling out and see what happens, see if you can sell it before you even create it. Yeah. And do you think that's the, that's the best strategy to take uh, in terms of people who are looking to get a loan to, to do it that way first, get the testimonials and show that there's interest and then take that and with them and say, Hey, this is, I'm looking for this to, to start this. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, you could restart that rub brand if you wanted and get money within 24 hours. Oh yeah. I, def- and, I definitely could. If I, right? yeah, if I push it, yeah. If you push it and if you want to have the right community and I don't think you'd need a loan. Like I, I think the funding could come from those beta users. And maybe it's not $3 for a pack. Maybe they got to buy a 30 pack or you know, $30 pack or whatever it is. So you have some revenue coming in that you can use to, uh, to further your action. But you know, if you can build raving fans out of those first 50 users, they also become your marketing arm. Yeah. So as you're enhancing the product to meet their needs, they also become fans and talk about it. You and I have a mutual friend in Paul Scheider and uh, he didn't spend in the beginning years of Hedgehog Leatherworks, didn't spend any money on advertising. He spent all his effort in wowing those initial users and they started talking about him. And he built this you know, popularity around his brand based upon his reputation for excellence. And I think, so I think any brand can do that. Forgo the loan, sell the tell. I mean, can you sell just the idea? If you can get people buying an idea, putting down money on an idea, I think you got something that has potential. Yeah. It's, it's really funny when I started that, it, it makes me think of, um, I had reached out to the community online. Uh, it was a yeah. archery community mm-hmm. and I said, you know, who, who would be interested in something like this? And I got a ton of responses. So then I said, okay, I'll send it to you guys for free, but just give me a testimonial. Give me some feedback yeah. on it. Right. And one of the, uh, the feedback testimonials that I got was from this guy. I'll never forget it. I think I still have it. He's like, my son has never liked venison ever in his life. He's like, and I used your rub and he couldn't stop eating it. And I just thought that was amazing. Right. Like that that was the best. Um, and then one of the funny stories out of it, (laughs) I was actually contacted by the postmaster general because they had a problem in their, in one of their facilities where they were processing envelopes. Did I ever tell you this story? No, no. Yeah. So what I, (laughs) so what I was doing was I was taking, um, I don't know, like these like little three ounce Ziploc baggies and stuffing seasoning in them labeling it, sealing it up, and then just putting them in regular standard envelopes and yeah. mailing them out. Well, <laughs> there was like a ton of them that got caught in the machine and it ripped and the seasoning went like everywhere. No. Yeah. So he, so he sends me an email because I guess that was the only way they could contact me because my email was on there. And he was like, we have a problem. He's like, all these envelopes keep ripping uh, through our, our machines. <laughs> He's like, it's causing a problem. He goes, it smells great though. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But then for t- on his, his second question, which is, uh, how do you know which, which business to go into? And I know that, um, you know, you've talked before a, a lot about, you know, passion versus chasing the money. Um, so like, how, how do you narrow it down? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, it's a, it's a mix of things. There has to be, 
you know, we go into business for financial freedom and personal freedom, ultimately to, to make the money. So we don't have to worry about money. We can support the lifestyle that we define for ourselves. Personal freedom is doing what we want when we want is, you know, what, and what we want. So a big component is what excites you, what gives you joy and satisfaction. I do know business owners that have pivoted or adjusted their business to speak solely to demand. I mean, they're making money and they freaking hate their business. It's like, I, that's not a really fulfilling life. In my opinion, money's wonderful. And, uh, we were doing an interview on Mike up in your business with, um, Robin Robbins. And she said, money is fun tickets. Like it gives you easy access to do fun things. It amplifies things. But if you're not rooted in a position of happiness and contentment, like those fun tickets don't work. So I believe a huge element is what is your purpose or what gives you joy or what gives you fulfillment? Identify that, be very clear about it. And maybe you don't know it exactly, but keep on asking yourself what fulfills me over and over. And you'll find over time, have your business be an application of it, but it does have to match demand. Like there was this one company, I remember um, you and I both were on Donnie Deutsch that, um, yeah, oh, the big idea. Yeah. There was a company, it was, I think it was called Light Glove. And what they did is they made a glove that connected to your computer and it was a mouse. It was very like matrixy. You could do things like this and, uh, and that and, and your computer would adjust. So it was a mouse on your hand. They were very passionate about it. The, the owner uh, was a technologist or an engineer and they just loved it. There was no demand for it. It was ahead of its time. There's, I think there still wouldn't be too much demand for it, even though it's very novel and very cool. They dumped their life savings into it, everything. And they were on the show and you could just see how distraught they were, how much money they'd blown and they weren't willing to give up on their dream. But you, it has to be a dream of the consumer too. It, there has to be this match. So I wonder if they could have been fulfilled by engineering, but an engineering application where there was demand for it. I, I don't know what the rest of their story is. I, I should Google and see what happened to them, but it, it was on the pathway to ruin. And that's a shame to follow something that you love, but no one else loves is a path to ruin. So I, yeah. I do believe there's a match. I also believe it does start with our own passion and then identifying what customers want and then aligning. So don't, don't pivot to the customer, meaning cater to the customer's needs and sell yourself out. It's all about the money and, and don't be blind to consumer demand and ignore it and just focus on what you want. Know what you want, identify what they want and align those two to match up. And that's when things start moving. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, that could be one of those situations where they were so passionate about it that they just dove in and they didn't do their due diligence on, well, is the market going to receive this? Well, they're just like, yeah. Hey, let's just go in on this, you know? And I think there's a, there's a thing, I think it's called confirmation bias, right? Once you believe something to be true, you look for things that support it. So I don't even know if they were in the position to do due diligence because they, they had this cool idea and this is going to be awesome. And they didn't look for all the things that said, this is not awesome. They looked for things that said, yes, this is awesome. So they were blinded to things that would, that would have stopped them from doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I think we all as entrepreneurs need to be aware of that. We're, we all have confirmation bias. I sure as heck do. And you guys have seen it in me, you know, at the office here, I'm like, Oh, we're gonna make drink this next. Like here's a, a parody book. This is gonna be so good. And I start going hard down it and I can only see what I can see. And I'm blind to all the things that are saying, that's a dumb idea. Don't do it. So it's important to surround yourself with people that will say, let me give you an alternative idea. Um, it's important to take a step back and, and admit I could be 
horribly wrong here and try to prove ourselves wrong. That approach is a much smarter approach to finding the reality of the alignment between your desires and customer demand. Yeah. And there's one thing that you always shared is, um, you know, the passion has to be there because then when you have the, uh, those really bad days, you're going to need that to like pull you through that because if the passion is oh, yeah. not there, you're not going to. So, and a great exercise. And I, I can't remember it was you that shared this with me or somebody shared this with me is, uh, when something good happens in your business, you write a letter to yourself and then you keep it with you. And you, yeah, you, yeah, you, I did say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it's about like the, the feeling that you're having on that really good day. Like, Hey, I made 10 sales today. We're crushing it. So then yeah. when that bad day comes, you read that letter and you're like, you know what? Let's do it. I'm going to push through it. And you just, you just keep going. So there's an author, uh, who wrote a book called letters to your younger self. And this is a variant of this. This is a letter to your older self, your future self. Cause you, you know, you know, life's journey just as well as anyone else. It's up and down, up and down. And those down periods, um, sometimes there's no one around you. Sometimes you are a lone island. And wouldn't it be cool if you get a pat in the back. Wouldn't it be cool to have a letter just waiting for you from you saying, hey, I bet you it's tough right now, but I want you to know you've been at a high point. I think it just reminds us that well, this too shall pass. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. That's good. Oh, hey, as a total aside, uh, that smoker, have you made anything yet? Oh, no, you don't know the story about the smoker. Do you, you didn't hear what happened. Did uh, no, I know. I know you got it. I don't know if you did anything with they, it. Um, all right. So I'll give a shout out to Traeger. They delivered it. Uh, it was damaged, like really, really severely oh. damaged. They had flipped it on, not in Traeger, but whoever was dealing with yeah, the shipping, shipping had shipped yeah. it on the side. And so it crushed the entire control box. So I called uh, the customer service team. And the guy was super cool. He's like, all right, let me talk to them, find out what's going on. He came back. He's like, look, we're just going to send you a whole new grill. I was like, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. The one thing he didn't tell me was that I need to send the old one back. Well, I don't even know if I, I, I think I got rid of half the box. Yeah, and, of course. And it weighs like 200 something pounds. So yeah. I'm thinking, how am I? <laughs> right, so the delivery driver comes with the new one, unless he stays and like helps me lift this. There's no way I'm getting <laughs> this thing on the truck, you know? So I don't, I don't know what the next step is, yeah. but uh, apparently it's coming Friday. So yeah. So I'm going to do a lot of, uh, cooking on that once I get that thing. Oh yeah. I can't wait to see what you yeah, cook. Yeah. That's so funny. They didn't talk about the return. You know, my experience with Traeger, I think, uh, exemplifies my experience of, of great customer service. So uh, I got a Traeger and this is why, why I, uh, me and the team here gifted you a Traeger specifically. Uh, as a congratulations on your yeah, new home. thank you. It's I was I was so excited. It's honestly, it was the the biggest surprise I've ever gotten in my life. Amy was like, "There's a package coming." I was like, "What?" I thought it was like a new, a book or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "It's delivered freight." What? What are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> what the hell could this thing be? I was I was just like blown away. But anyway, yeah, I love it. Yeah, we, we're all so excited for you. So we, we had a, a quick meeting uh, when you were around. And said, well, "What would be an idea?" And and I said, "Listen, he likes to cook." And I said, "It's got to be a Traeger." So the reason I said that is because my experience with Traeger, I um, I got a Traeger gifted to me. So this is becoming now like a pay it forward thing. So one day you have to give oh, a Traeger. Oh, I'll gift a Traeger. Yeah. You give, give, give a Traeger to someone. So um, I get it. And on there, it says, if if you have any questions, call customer service, including cooking questions, like how to cook on this thing. I've never cooked one. So I decided to make chicken. Well, I, I call them and customer service answers the phone. They have, I think, two locations. I think there's a location in the South just because of the guy's accent. It was awesome. He goes, thanks for calling Traeger. 
And I said, Hey, I said, uh, my name's Mike and I'm about to cook a chicken. He goes, cook a chicken. This is going to be awesome. He goes, let me ask you a question. You know, I go, yeah. He goes, have you ever owned a Traeger before? I said, no, it's my first. He goes, Holy smokes, your first Traeger. <laughs> this is awesome. He goes, hold on. He goes, boys, we got a new Traeger. <laughs> and, uh, and you hear some guys like whoop it up and he comes back on the phone and goes, what are we cooking today? And I said, um, I said, I think chicken. I want to do a beer can chicken. He's like, that's awesome. He goes, who's eating? I said, my whole family's like, they're going to crap their pants. This is going to be the best meal ever. Like he was so genuinely excited. So I, I'm blown away by this. I fell in love with the Traeger before I even fired the grill up. Yeah. That's and awesome. To me, what that points to is I've never, I've never had an experience like that. Like a customer service experience of someone so enthusiastic and, and, genuine um that i didn't even need to experience the product to fall in love with it and that's the moment i fell in love with trigger honestly it could the smoker could be the same as any other smoker and maybe it's worse I, I have no idea on the technicalities but i knew that that customer service is is remarkable yeah so i think why, that, that's why my trigger's it man it's gotta be a trigger that's, that's really cool because to bring it back to like passion uh I, I think there's a lot of companies i see nowadays that are it's like the fanboys of the company are the ones who are doing the customer service. So you know that if they're that excited about it, you know, yeah. because they've cultivated these teams where it's like, maybe they don't know the business side, but they know that they love the product. And so yeah. they're like, let's get these people together because we all love this thing and let's figure out how to, how to make it. I mean, so smart. Yeah. There's so, there's so many companies uh, that, that are like that nowadays. And I just think it's, it's so awesome because when, you become a part of that, that culture and that try like you, you're, you buy the product and you feel like you're, you're a part of it now, you know? Yeah. And, and what I found is your best customers can become your best teammates. So for prop first professionals, you know, I'm a co-owner in that company, two employees now, maybe it's three are former customers of the company and loved the profit first experience so much that they sold off their company or closed their companies to become an employee of the company to, to really be proponents for the concept. And to your point, you can't, you can't, you can't train someone that skill of enthusiasm and belief. They, they just inherently are that they inherently know it. So now when they're working, cause they work with our new clients that come on board, our former clients as employees are now working with our new clients. They're like, Oh, my experience as a client was like this and this is going to be life changing. And they have that same enthusiasm. Like you call a Traeger. Yeah. I know. That's awesome. That's so cool. It, it, like I, I just, I love dealing with companies like that. I mean, almost yeah. immediately when, when you call customer service, you can tell if it's a company that is outsourcing and just is like, all right, just yeah. deal with this. Or if it's a company that's like, Hey, I'm, I'm one of you guys, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Trigger, yeah, like, like it, we're all the same thing right now. You know, it's just, it's like so awesome. And you just get that feeling. And I think that those businesses are the ones that you become like diehard fans of because it's yeah. just, you know, that's like, it's so powerful to have that there. So cool. That's Agreed, awesome. brother. Cool. Well, Hey, right. that was, a, that was a good little, uh, fast episode we did. Yeah. 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 So there you have it. Our friends, you, you just saw a little bit of the inside stuff we talk about. Um, Jerry's more than just a producer and social media guy. He's a, he's a former business owner. We worked together in that front and I'm, I'm just proud, Jeremy, we're working together still. I mean, this is, I, I posted a video, not a video, but I shared a uh, picture today. You know, we go back 
more than 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's cool to be, I'm happy you're part of my path and I'm happy I'm part of your path. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. And it's weird when, when I saw that picture, it was like, I, I, I have flashbacks, um, yeah. from like work, from doing the work and stuff. That's so Dude, I can't wait for you to reveal the new jacked up body of yours. You're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and you go, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and, how, how ironic is it that as you get older, you're like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to transform my body back, back in, back time. in time. Yeah. To when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just so you know, we're not kidding around like this, this is a chain on if anyone's watching our video right now, but this is our internal chain of health accountability. I mean, every day you can see all of our colleagues are here. We're smaller eight of us. And, um, every single day we're texting Jeremy, how you doing? Mike, what are you doing? Push, you know, congratulations. You got the workout in you're a big biker. Uh, the mileage you bang out. Amy got her four miles in today walking. You know, it's just really cool to be in a, a group of people that support each other in not just transformation of a business, but, you know, our personal physical life. Yeah. And that, that started all because when we had our quarterly meeting. We're, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. It was, it was just, we were just talking. We were like, well, what do you, everybody basically had put on their, uh, their vision poster, Hey, something with health. And so yep. we was like, okay, well, if we're doing this remotely, like, how do we do this? And it was like, Let's just tell everybody what we're doing every day. And it yeah. really, it really does make a huge difference. Like the last two weeks I slacked off cause I hurt my knee. Yeah. And so I was taking a break because I didn't want to ride and it's like, it's crunching and stuff, but now it's feeling better. So now I'm going to start riding again. But like yeah. for those two weeks when I, I had to, I had to blacklist the, uh, the texts because I would see it every day and I would just feel like the biggest turd. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh, like Mike just went for like a seven mile run and I'm like, ah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Right. It, it, there's a saying that you play to the level of the people around you. Right. So if you're playing yeah. a sport, play with people are better than you and you have to elevate your game. And that's what we're doing. Like, you know, people are elevating each other. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a text just came in right now. That's so funny. <laughs> We're talking about stuff right now. Nice. Well, listen, so. I, um, Let's tell everybody about the new podcast. This is a new podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's called Mike Up in Your Business. Um, we're, we're doing a couple of vignettes like this where we're just do behind the, the scenes because people ask about like, oh, what happens when you're not recording? This is what happens. Yeah. And um, the core context, though, is to deep dive into businesses in a way that we haven't in the past. And you, you don't often hear on shows. We talk about topics that aren't talk, typically talked about. We talked about racial bias and entrepreneurship. We just did a recording about relentless rest. You know, people talk about relentless drive and commitment. We talked about the, the flip side of it. And instead of bringing on an expert uh, that kind of says, here's the seven steps or pontificates about something, we just bring in people that live the experience to share their experience around it. Some episodes are, are pretty quick, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Other ones, you, you know, it, it, it's justified to keep going. Yeah. We talked about um, this with Robin Robbins recently, what it takes to have relentless drive uh, on the other side, relentless rest. And we also talked about relentless drive. And what was very clear was she started sharing stories of her childhood and uh, significant trauma and how that triggered drive. And that, that show just kept on going and going. Cause as you're peeling back the onion, you found more and more things. So the, the site to go to, I just got the domain. I don't know if you even know, Jeremy, mmpodcast.me stands for, Mike McCallowitz or Mike Motorbike, podcast.me, as in you, the viewer. But go to mmpodcast.me, uh, click on subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode. And I promise you, it will be life-changing for you. Your business, your life will improve. That's my promise. Yeah, and I just checked the link and it does work. 
because uh, <laughs> you literally bought it like five minutes ago. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I just want to say to all the listeners, um, you know, you guys have been so awesome with the Entrepreneurship Elevated podcast. And now we're moving on to this podcast. And we really want this to be something that you find value in. Um, and so we're going to like experiment a little bit and play around with stuff like, you know, yeah. doing, doing this behind the scenes is, is something that, that we didn't do before. Um, and so we're going to constantly be looking for feedback. And if you have any ideas, you know, send them to ask Mike at Mike Um, yes. if you can, please, if you find value in this content, please, uh, like, and share and, uh, tell people about it. That's the best way that you can help us spread the word. That serves us. And, and, you know, back to your story, Jeremy of venison and putting the rub on it. And all of a sudden there's a son now eating this venison. Uh, if you aren't into podcasts or you, you weren't listening to entrepreneurship elevated, this is a whole new kind of rub. And, uh, I think you'll, I think you'll like it. I think you'll find it appetizing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode.